Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, challenging and bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imber. And I'm your co-host, Monique Robin. So, Amantha, who's on the show today? Today we have Dr. Tass, who is one of Australia's leading cosmetic doctors. So he's got lots of experience injecting things and operating on people and doing all sorts of things, particularly to women in our age group. I think that's an amazing guest because it's a it's still sort of a taboo topic, although something that's becoming more and more acceptable. But I feel like we have a lot of questions regarding cosmetic enhancements that we kind of feel too vain asking. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Yeah, I want to know, like, what are the really common procedures that women are getting done in, you know, their 30s, 40s and 50s? And just how common is it? And also, even if we're not really into cosmetic enhancements, if everybody in our age group that's back on the dating scene is getting them done, we may look like mutton compared to them. So, <laughs> so we'll, we need to get something done maybe. We need to ask this question. We sure do. So how was your week in dating, Monique? Oh, pretty non-eventful. Didn't get it up to much. Haven't been on the apps. Yeah, what about yourself? Yeah, not that eventful, but as you know, I had a dinner party for a few friends a few days ago and it it made me remember quite the experience that I had going back maybe one year ago now, pre-COVID, and I thought it might be interesting to share because it had nothing to do with the dating apps. Yeah, it's nice to talk about dating opportunities that occur outside of the apps because not everybody wants to pursue the search for love via apps. But in saying that, I have a feeling because I was at that dinner party when that story was relayed, I have a feeling this won't necessarily motivate those people (laughs) to want to pursue alternate means of dating. This story that Amantha is about to relay, I might add, I narrowly missed being a part of because I was invited to share this experience. Correct, Amantha? Uh, I bought you a ticket like you'd literally cancelled the day before. Yes, I did. And how insightful was I? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So back a year ago, I'd been talking to a teammate of mine that was based in our Sydney office. And she said, you got to check out this particular mob. They do speed dating. It was such a fantastic experience. And I thought, oh, speed dating. I haven't done that since before I was with the person that I was married to. And I thought, oh, that that'd be really fun and something different to do. And I thought about what's the type of person that I would meet in speed dating. And I concluded that they would be someone that is, you know, really confident and maybe a bit charming and good with people because that is why they've opted to do speed dating, the in-person dating option, rather than hide behind a two-dimensional image on an online dating app. 
That was my theory. I agree with you. And what also, Amantha, when you proposed it to me, what actually appealed to me was this thought that on the apps you get really lazy. So somebody that's willing to dedicate time and to actually go to a venue is serious about meeting someone. So I thought also when I accepted my ticket initially, I also thought that I would be meeting people that were really prioritising dating and meeting somebody. Yeah. Driven. Proactive. Yeah, amazing. Just the kind of men we want to meet. And then I also thought I would invite Kez from my team, who's kind of like my right hand. So she manages projects at Inventium and she's also like my EA or executive assistant. So Kez is also single. And interestingly, we left our marriages at similar points in time, actually, about a year and a half ago now. And So I said to Kez, hey, I'm going to this thing with Monique. You should come with us. Which to Kez's insecurity is you're going to lose your job if you don't come (laughs) dating with me. (laughs) Which absolutely would not have happened. No, but love Kez, but she was motivated by several reasons. Um, So, But I did talk her into thinking it would actually be a great way to meet great men. Okay. I, I think she believed that. Yep, I think so too, actually. She she said she went into the experience quite positive. Yeah, and I can be pretty convincing if I want to be, I think. So we we get to the venue and, yeah, you'd cancelled the day before. Hang on, just one thing when you said you can be convincing if you want to be. When Amantha was relaying this story at the dinner party, every single person went off on a tangent to start to talk about times where Amantha had convinced them to do things (laughs) that they never thought they would do. Which stands testament to the accuracy of Amantha's comment. (laughs) So we rock up to the venue. The venue's fine. It's kind of hidden down a laneway in Melbourne. And we walk in and there's like about a group of 30 men and women. So it was heterosexual speed dating. And it was, I think Kez described them as mouth breathers. (laughs) (laughs) Had you heard the expression mouth breathers before? No, but it's one of those expressions where it just says it all, doesn't it? (laughs) That's right. You just imagine these people go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to which I replied, hang on a second. There are certain breath practices through the mouth that are very, very restorative (laughs) or energizing. So Mm. I have nothing against mouth breathers. Yeah. So we're looking in and we're like, okay, this is. This is what's right at the bottom of the dating barrel. <laughs> and we how the night worked is that you had four speed dates, which were 13 minutes each, and then there was a half-time break, and then you had another four 13 minutes. Oh, my goodness. No, no wonder 13 is an unlucky number. That's a <laughs> long time. It's a really long time. Like 13 yes. minutes, you might go, oh, that goes pretty quickly, like if I'm – I don't know, binging on Bridgerton or something like that. But not when you're running at 20 k's an hour on a treadmill. Yeah, not, not when you're doing that. It's a 13 minutes. Yeah, and not when you are doing speed dating. Yes. Um, very long 13 minutes. So I I got two dates in and then I found Kez in the sort of, you know, couple of minutes between the dates and moving around the room. And I'm like, Kez, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like this, you is, said that. this is killing me. And she's like, just stay until halftime. Hang on. You said you need to quit something. 
Yeah, and I never quit anything. No, so for you to say that, I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> so Kez encouraged me to keep going. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. So did my four dates and then it was half time, and it was like it was so bad. It felt like I was there for a whole week, like talking to people that I didn't want to be talking to that would, that, you know, I, I don't even know. I can't even think of enough negative words to describe the experience, but I, I had to leave at the halfway point. Wow. Yeah. So I said to Kez, Kez, I got to go. I just, I, I literally cannot do this. And I knew that that was going to muck up numbers and it was a very selfish decision. And I, and I try, I try to live my life in a non-selfish way, but I just, I just didn't have it in me. I could not physically do it. By the way, for the listeners, as Amantha's recounting this story, at points she was choking herself. (laughs) I know my hand was around my neck, wasn't it? Yes. So if that body language doesn't say something, I don't know what does. That is A, that is very unlike you. Yeah. And B, that is bloody hilarious. (laughs) And poor Kez, I can imagine her trying to hold the ship. Yeah. And you know... Kez, being the trooper that she is, mm. she stayed until the end of the night. Oh, oh my, my god! Oh, my God. So basically my hypothesis about the sort of men that would go to speed dating was completely disproven. Okay, so what I actually also cares when the conversation broke up into small groups, Kez relayed to me, is that she felt really sorry for these men and had zero <laughs> attraction to any of them. And one guy said, can I have your number? And she decided because she said purely because she wanted to reward the confidence in asking and she had no interest. And she said she planned to then say sort of away from it that I'm not interested, but she gave him the number to which everybody at the dinner party went a fake number. She went, no, a real number. But as she then recounts, the uh, another mouth breather <laughs> caught on to the fact that there was a number up for grab <laughs> and pounced over to Kez and said, could I have your number too? And everyone just went, oh, well, of course you didn't give him <laughs> your number. And she went, I did. <laughs> and that sums up your EA, Kez. Yep. Never yep. wants to let somebody down. No, she's amazing. We can't let her in the speed dating environment ever again. We definitely cannot. We have to protect Kez. So that was not my week in dating, but that is something that happened a year ago that I had repressed from my memory until the dinner party during the week. And a really good story to relay because, I mean, if anything, obviously it's not positive in nature, but it does get people thinking that we're not just confined to the apps. Yeah, that's right. There are other other avenues <laughs> to, to seek torture. Our guest today is Dr. Tass. Dr. Tass is one of Australia's leading cosmetic doctors with over 15 years experience in the field of facial cosmetic medicine. Let's head on over to Dr. Tass. So the the first thing that Monique and I were really curious about is we want to know what are the most common procedures that women in their 40s and 50s and maybe even late 30s are getting done? 
Well, I suppose it, you'd be interested in knowing maybe the top five, and without a doubt, the anti-wrinkle injection, Botox type of treatments would be the most common, the most popular, but followed very closely by the dermal fillers. And dermal fillers, again, treatments that are provided through the use of an injection that might change the shape of the face a little, revolumize the cheeks, add a little bit of uh, definition to the jawline, the chin, add a bit of volume into the lips. They've become awfully popular the last four or five years, these treatments. And then we've got the popularity of lasers and devices that help with the skin surface or IPL type treatments. That's probably the third most common treatment. Breast augmentation, very popular for people in their 30s and 40s and in their 20s. And liposuction, particularly for people in their 30s and 40s. And can I ask, with the Botox and also the filler, well, particularly the Botox, where are people getting it done? Like when I think about Botox, uh, and I haven't had it myself, but I think about people like getting rid of wrinkles on the forehead, but is it more than just that? Oh, look, absolutely more than that. But so classically, when we think of wrinkles, we've been sensitised by social media and television and um, sex in the city to think about the frown and the forehead lines and the crow's feet. So when people look at themselves, they're conditioned to look at that part of their face more than any other part of their face. So that was, that's what brings most people in to see me and that's what um, brings most people in to see their cosmetic doctor. But these type of treat injections can be also administered in the lower part of the face to help with, a, you know, for example, someone who has a very strong square jawline with the appropriate dosing of the anti-wrinkle injections in the jawline, it causes muscle relaxation and thereby causing some slimming in the jawline. One of my favourite treatments is injecting Botox into people's necks and what you know we find also in, in the person as they age, their neck starts accelerating its ageing um, as a person gets into their 50s in particular. So an injection of Botox into the neck tightens the neck. And it's quite revolutionary because because no one's ever really heard about treatments in the neck. And as soon as it's administered there, it's, it's really joins what we find these days is a mismatch, a mismatch of a someone who's got a pretty well-treated face cosmetically, a well-manicured body because they attend the gym ferociously, as most women in their 40s and 50s seem to be doing, and 30s these days. But if there's a mismatch with having an aging neck, then it's a bit of a giveaway sign. So I love that addition. It's actually funny you say that. So my neck, I feel it looks most aging when I'm in the gym working out really hard. And when you put Botox in my neck, it's been a game changer. I'm looking at your neck now, Monique, as you're talking. It looks really smooth. It looks really smooth. Yeah, well, actually, I have to, I'm allowed to admit it. I have Taz to thank for that. Oh. <laughs> um, Taz, are these, are these procedures, are these something men are having as well? Absolutely. Now, when I first started with these treatments, performing these treatments some 15 years ago, the men that were seeking these treatments were primarily uh, gay guys and they presented seeking that really frozen, you know, that sort of stereotypic gay look that was present, say, 15 or so years ago. Now I see a whole range of guys, gay guys, straight guys, tradies, teachers, lawyers, 
and they're seeking to look fresher. They're probably 15 to 20% of my patients are now men. They seek a slightly different end result to what women do. They are quite happy to still look masculine, have a few wrinkles, but not look as fatigued as what they're starting to appear when they get into their 40s or 50s. What are the most common procedures for men? What are the things that they're asking you to do? Most of them are not so fussed about removing every single single wrinkle off their forehead or frown. Um, they like keeping their crow's feet. They absolutely like the creation of a jawline and a chin because um, we can do that now quite easily with the use of strong dermal fillers. So very often... Um, men have been forced to grow beards to conceal a very receded chin or very weak jawline. But I'd say cheeks, jawline and uh, strong cheekbones is what really has become the most favoured treatment for men. I want to know, Taz, if Monique and I are on a date or when we're on dates, how can we tell if the man sitting across from us has had work done? What are the giveaways? What What's imposed on me as, as a doctor who performs cosmetic treatments is really the challenge of not allowing you to be able to tell if they've had treatment or not. So as soon as I always tell my patients, as soon as people can detect that you've had work done, then you've probably had a little bit too much. So as opposed to, to say, 10 or 15 years ago, someone could just simply walk into a restaurant or a bar uh, or in a shop and you could not help but miss those massive lips or frozen the frozen face or massive cheekbones. Now, fortunately, most people now recognise that that isn't a look that is a desired one and subtlety is, is far more attractive. Having sort of cheek wrinkles remaining on the face helps deceive the person looking onto, onto you know, the, the, someone sitting back looking at you. So I think the answer should be, but really you shouldn't be able to tell. Because we're back on the dating scene, Amantha and I, Taz, it's of interest to us suddenly all over again what other women are doing because we don't want to be out on a date looking all of 43, which we both are, when there's some other 43-year-old looking 30 because they're getting the right work done. In terms of budgeting for these procedures, and even if you're quite well off, they're not they're not cheap even on today's market where it's now quite routine. How many years do we actually buy ourselves in getting this freshened look? Are we able to sort of wind the clock back five years or can we quantify it, what we get for our buck? Sadly, the reality is, you know, budget does matter. And the the bigger the budget, the, the better the result. Because the larger the budget, the larger the repertoire that becomes accessible for the use on one's face. So some people have fairly limited budgets and as such, you, you provide a treatment where you get a larger bang for your dollar. And that would have to be the use of Botox because with a relatively small amount of money from three to $500, you can certainly create a softened, more youthful look, um, removing most wrinkles on a person's face. However, if you're seeking to provide something which has, gives you a little bit more bang, then you absolutely need the assistance of dermal fillers. And then depending on what dermal filler you seek, you might be paying between 500 
to a few thousand dollars per treatment. They, there was a, some research done about three years ago on women between the age of 40 and 50, and the do- doctors who were part of this re- research had access to as many dermal fillers as they wished to create the optimal look on these women. So the average woman to create that optimal result needs 12 units of dermal filler. So that's wow. 12 mil. And what does that cost? Generally, you'd be looking at about between seven to $10,000 for Whoa. an optimal result. Having said that, most people would not have 12 units of dermal filler in one sitting. Most people would come in and have a series of treatments, one or two every three or four months or six monthly, and just cumulatively improve their appearance. And you might look back after two or three years and, and uh, look at your photos of what you were like three, three years earlier and you think, oh, my goodness, I look three, five, seven, eight years younger. But I've, I'm quite confident that if one didn't have any restriction in their budget, the majority of people could look 10 years younger without any surgical intervention. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And with that age group, 40s and 50s, what percentage of women and what percentage of men have had some kind of procedure done? The percentage is pretty low still. Some of, one of the interesting figures that I do remember is that it was conveyed to us um, at a conference a couple of years ago was that 25% of people in that age group have considered having some sort of cosmetic treatment. Having said that, only 5% have gone out and had some sort of cosmetic treatment. This is in in the Australian market. Right. Is that for women or across both? Well, primarily women it would be. Yeah. So it's a very high percentage, really, if you think about it. 25% aspire to having some sort of cosmetic treatment. But the figures keep growing more and more so. In fact, there's over a billion dollars per year spent in Australia on cosmetic treatments. Wow. And out of that, $350 is spent on Botox treatments. Wow, that's a lot of Botox. Taz, is separation slash divorce one of the triggers for getting into this realm of self-care? Because it seems like those that take the plunge then go, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's no different to going to the hairdressers or the nail lady or that whatever. But it's it's sort of making that step. Do you think that separation and divorce for women that are trying it for the first time, say in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, that that's the catalyst? Yeah, absolutely. Life-changing events definitely have appeared to be catalysts for um, indulging in, into, or, or spoiling themselves or rationalising why they should now decide to have some of these treatments. So it's very common that women who find themselves as single parents or single full stop, do attend the clinic for treatments. And in fact, 
they're almost more ferocious in their desire to have treatments. They've got larger budgets and don't have any, don't have limits, as opposed to the woman in her 30s and 40s and 50s who still has a couple of kids at home, is still um, married, and has a more, will seem irregularly, but a more contained budget. So in answer to your question, yes, without a doubt, separation or change in life circumstances is a catalyst. Another big, another interesting one is women and men who have recovered from a significant medical crisis in their lives, be they some sort of terminal or possibly terminal condition, they, um, as soon as they're out of hospital, within weeks, they've attended to have some sort of treatment which will spoil themselves because it makes them feel better about themselves, which is really interesting because you'd think that someone who has just um, gone through a crisis in their health would be seeking something else, but not, they just want to feel better about themselves. And this does make you feel better about yourself, these treatments. Yeah, just feel, and when you look fresher, you feel fresher. It's psychological, right? Yeah, it's like when you, you know, when you're feeling really great, you're in your 30s, 40s, you, you've just done the best gym workout. You put your clothes on and, and you walk into um, a place and someone says, Are you tired? Are you feeling, are you feeling okay? And up until that moment, you're feeling great. And then you look at yourself and you think, Oh, I must be not so great looking. These treatments allow you to look like you feel. And, and that's something that was confirmed by a survey I did on 400 patients about three years ago, 400 of my patients. And we asked them, what is the main reason that you are having these treatments? And overwhelmingly, over 90% said because it makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah, and I don't think there is anything wrong with that. I think sometimes the pressure we put on ourselves to look naturally beautiful is more complicated and more unobtainable than actually, you know, taking a shortcut here and there if it's in your budget. Well, it's funny because a lot of the women who come to see me will tell me that their husbands who don't know that they're having treatments will say to them, well, why would you want to have, why would you ever want to go and have anything done on your face? Why would you ever consider it? You look great like you do. And the women respond to me, they say, they say to me, but I don't even realise I only look great like I do because I come in and have these treatments. How, how secretive are women, not just to their husbands but to other women, to, to colleagues, to friends? Is it still taboo amongst women? Well, no, I don't think the taboo that was there 15 years ago really exists now. Most women tend to share that they're having treatments with their close friends Women in their 40s tend not to want to post about these their treatments on social media platforms. Women in their 30s are a little bit more open about the fact that they're having treatments. And women in their 20s openly gloat about having these treatments. They ask us if they can pose for our social media posts. They're really quite disinhibited about the whole cosmetic treatments as being an issue of any anything of any concern in, in fact i would also find extend this as saying that i will extend the discussion we had about budgets and saying now that it's these treatments are so common and so routine that women do budget for these treatments on, a, on an annual basis and and some people tell me that they've come in they come in they've got an annual basis of x amount of dollars uh, to spend on their face and they're concerned that they don't, you know, they, they stick within that budget, which I find, you know, really interesting compared to 15 years ago where you, you'd sneak in, have a bit of Botox, 
maybe have your lips done and then sneak out again and, and disappear for a few days so no one could see the bruises. How well versed do you think that men are in spotting whether women have had work done in, in our age group? The average guy thinks that having work done would result in a woman looking like they've just stepped out of a casting set of one of the reality shows. So so they wouldn't be able to detect generally work that's that's good or above average. So someone who's had half who sees a recognized doctor or nurse who provides reputable work should be able to be not detected by a partner or by a guy. Most of my patients laugh and find it quite comical that their partners or husbands are unaware that they've had work and have been having work for years. So just as an overarching recommendation, if you could recommend to a woman who perhaps was a bit pensive about dipping their toe into cosmetic enhancement or who is perhaps on an extremely tight budget, what would be the one most high-impact, minimally invasive procedure that you could suggest a woman dabble with? Without a doubt, the best way to introduce yourself into um, the world of cosmetics is seeing someone who's reputable and ask them to give you a small dose of an anti-wrinkle injection, uh, maybe just in the forehead and in a frown. That would be a relatively inexpensive treatment, you know, maybe just a few hundred dollars. It is result-driven, so without a doubt, any wrinkles in the forehead or in the frown that you might dislike will disappear. And it's a nice, gentle way of introducing yourself into what could otherwise be quite a frightening world that is more so, I say that because, you know, if you find yourself in, in the hands of someone who is uh, very vigorous with their treatments, it can create a distorted look of your face that, you know, will scare you off unnecessarily. If I think about dipping my toe in the water, I think needles in my forehead, ouch, and I worry that that I won't be able to make any facial expressions. So I guess for listeners that have that that are thinking what I'm thinking, what would you say to reassure them? Look, I, what I normally do with my patients is I, I tell them, look, the, the regular dose to to that's required to manage the forehead wrinkles and the frown wrinkles and the crow's feet would be, let's say, it's an arbitrary unit, fifty units. Let's just do half of that, twenty-five units. If it's not quite enough, and you still have more movement in, than what you need after two weeks, we could do a little bit more. But with you know, half a dose, you'll still achieve a correction, but you won't be frozen. So, so taking small steps will give patients comfort that they have some control in the end result. And Taz, if people do want to dip their toe in the water, what is the best way to find a reputable provider? Look, one thing is the web, of course. It's searching for doctors who provide these treatments and reading their reviews. I find that one of the most beneficial ways is to, if you do know friends who have these treatments and you like their look, asking them for the details of who their doctor or their nurse may be will give you confidence in maybe achieving a similar sort of result. Equally so, if you if one of your friends is maybe a little bit too frozen and has a look that is something that you 
dislike. Maybe again, maybe ask who that my person that person might be and avoid that person. But I think reviews on, and and asking friends who you trust who've had work that you like will of course be of um, is it's a smart way to go. In fact, most of the people who see us come to see us through word of mouth. Just one thing in, to bring it back into our dating lives. If I'm to get filler, will I see the results straight away? So can I go on a date that night? Okay. With all of these treatments, the treatments that require injections, there's always going to be a risk that we might create a bruise. So therefore, I always tell people if it's a significant event, let's do the treatment after the significant events because a bruise generally takes about a week or so to, to pass. Having said that, with anti-wrinkle injections, you don't, normally don't start seeing the benefits for at least three days and the benefits will continue to become more and more significant or more visible you know, for up to 10 or 13 days after the treatment. So within uh, so two weeks after the anti-wrinkle injections is when the optimum result will be visible. Taz, final question for you, for particularly for listeners that are in Melbourne, what is the best way for people to find you and get in touch with the clinics that you have here in Melbourne? Oh, that's really easy. 1300 Dr. Tass, D-R-T-A-S-S, or Dr. Tass at drtass.com.au. Fantastic. Excellent. And where are your clinics located so listeners know? We've got our signature clinics at Crown. So I'm very excited because we're about to, because of COVID, they've been shut down. So we're about to start up again in a couple of weeks at Crown. But um, we've got two other clinics, one in Port Melbourne and one at Ripponlea. Well, Taz, it has been fascinating delving into the world of cosmetic procedures and beauty for both genders. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Monique. Great chatting. Appreciate it. So, Monique, what was your biggest takeout from our chat with Dr. Tass? I found it really interesting that he really allowed us to realise that you don't have to be wealthy to get cosmetic enhancements. Sometimes even just for a couple of hundred dollars, you can get a freshen up and even if it's not going to make a dramatic difference, I think for women returning back onto the dating scene, it's something that perhaps for confidence they haven't considered because they've thought it's too far out of their budget. So I really found it interesting that he mentioned that you can make small or minor changes or do minor procedures that won't cost you a lot as an introduction and also just how mainstream it is these days. Yeah, I can't believe how mainstream it is. That's crazy. What about you? How's your face going, Monique? Oh, look, you know, given that I'm all natural. <laughs> well, no, look, I, I'm t- the first to admit that I don't mind having a few procedures here and there. I wouldn't say that I'm into the plastic fantastic look, but it's amazing what a few hundred dollars of, say, Botox in the face that you need to get done maybe once every six months just to get rid of that angry frown line in your forehead, what that does to your self-esteem because I find that I have those brow lines, those frown lines in my forehead that just make me look really angry all the time. And that in its own right, which I think costs about $200, is literally so much more confidence building for me. And Dr. Tass does that for me. 
Yeah. Okay. And it sounds like it's pretty important to find someone good so that you don't have that plastic fantastic look. It's all about positioning. So they've got to have a really good knowledge of facial anatomy. So it's really, I think as Dr. Taz said, it's really important to go with someone who's experienced, who has photos to show you both before and after. Yeah, I must say I haven't I haven't gone into the land of Botox yet. I sort of I don't know. I don't know if I will, but but Dr. Tass certainly made it sound quite appealing. Amantha, you already look twelve, so <laughs> you don't need to look eleven on your day. You're too kind. That is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 